three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 454. Five oh, that's a lot of episodes we've done of this podcast. Um, the division around the NFL playoffs did not disappoint. It was unbelievable. I mean, literally every single game came down to the final play. And I believed going into it, it was going to be a great weekend of football. I was very excited for it. I was looking forward to it all week. And it's not all the time that you really look forward to something. And then it's even better than you thought it would be. Like I moved to Hawaii in 2021 and it was even better than I thought it'd be. I, I love it here so much. And this weekend of football is one of those rare things that you look forward to. You think it's going to be awesome, and then it exceeds your expectations. And what a joy, man. Like, great game after great game after great game. Amazing finish. We were in danger. I thought that the Buccaneers game was going to be a blowout. But Tom Brady made it a game, and uh, what a great time. If you didn't enjoy football this weekend, you just don't love football. Like, I don't know what to tell you because, I mean, this was arguably the best weekend of playoff football Ever. I mean, it was unbelievable. These amazing games. And uh, we'll get into all of it in a minute. Let's start with the most recent game. Kansas City just beat Buffalo in a wild, fun, crazy playoff game. It went to overtime. KC won 42-36. to And this game felt like watching a video game. It's just crazy play after crazy play. Amazing finish. The way it came down to at the end. It, I mean, I got, I got chills watching. It was awesome. And, um, I mean, it made me think of back in the days in college when it was all of us in a dorm room. Two guys are playing Madden. There's, like, five people watching. We all are hanging out. And you go, oh, like, you kind of get – I just – those are the days, man, looking back at college, playing Madden in a dorm room. Like, seven people crammed into a tiny room, sitting on, like, those college beds that are, like, bunk beds. I mean, just – oh, man, like, such good times. And uh, this game had that vibe. It made me want to play Madden again. We're just back and forth and a crazy finish now. No disrespect to Aaron Rodgers, but watching this game, I felt like I was watching the two best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. They both made crazy throws. They both ran around and did crazy stuff and made play after play after play. And with this being the first year that doesn't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in a championship game since 2009, is it 2009 or 2011? It might be 2011. One of those years. It's been a long time. Like the last time with Brett Favre, was playing in a championship game the last time that it didn't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And this weekend really felt like a new era in the NFL, a new wave of young quarterbacks stepping up to the center of the stage. And uh, here's what these two quarterbacks did. Josh Allen was 27 for 37 passing for 329 yards. He threw four touchdown passes, had zero interceptions. He also ran 11 times for 68 yards, by the way. Both quarterbacks in this game led their team in rushing. The leading rusher for Buffalo was Josh Allen. The leading rusher for Kansas City was Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was 33 for 44 passing, 378 yards, three touchdown passes. He also ran seven times for 69 yards, one more than Josh Allen, and he ran for a touchdown. And by the way, neither quarterback had a turnover. No picks, no fumbles, nothing. It was incredible quarterback play, and it Again, it felt like watching a game of Madden. It was unbelievable football. And uh, to me, this was the final straw. I've been kind of teetering on the edge for quite a while. I said that Josh Allen was closing in on elite status. I think I said that last week. I want, I want to make a statement here. Josh Allen is an elite quarterback. The way he ended this year, putting up performance after performance after performance, like that's elite quarterback play. And... Something clicked for him at the end of the year. I don't know what happened, but he, like he, he was good all year. And then just at the end of the year, man, he just got better and better and better. And I, I really I cannot wait to watch the guy next year. Like, oh, my gosh, he's an elite quarterback. He's I, – I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I love the guy. He's awesome. He's so fun to watch. And I'm heartbroken that he lost. Now, the way this game ended was crazy. There's some controversy. We'll get into that in a moment. But the final two minutes of this game, there were 25 points scored in less than two minutes. Three touchdowns and a field goal and a two-point conversion by Buffalo. And, uh, you know, Buffalo scored the go-ahead touchdown on a fourth and 13. It was crazy. They went for two. They got it. Josh Allen ran around, made a play, threw for the two-point conversion. 
Then Kansas City responded with a 64-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Then, you know, Casey went up 33-29. to By the way, Tyreek Hill, shout out to him. He had 11 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. And then I thought Buffalo won the game. Buffalo put together a good drive. You know, the Bills threw a touchdown with 13 seconds left in the game. They took a 36-33 to lead. And you would think, hey, you got a three-point lead. 13 seconds left in the game. Like, hey, it's one thing if you leave a minute on the clock for Patrick Mahomes. You go, hey, you left way too much time on the clock for Mr. Patty Mahomes. But you would think, hey, Patrick Mahomes cannot score in 13 seconds. Then he did. And it wasn't like Buffalo had some crazy, awful pass interference penalty or anything like that. No, Pat Mahomes just did his thing. He had two completions, uh, you know, two plays. 44 yards in 10 seconds. There were 13 seconds on the clock. There were three seconds left when the 40, when the, the Chiefs lined up for their game-winning field goal. 19-yard pass to Tyreek Hill and then a 25-yard pass to Travis Kelsey. And look, for exa- that is why you save three timeouts for the end of the game so that you can throw the ball freely over the middle, not have to worry about trying to— Imagine if they threw that ball to Travis Kelsey with three seconds left, had to run up and try to clock it. They, it wouldn't have worked. They would have had to throw a Hail Mary there, so— that is a testament to the Kansas City's coaching staff and their discipline and organization and not needing to burn a timeout earlier in the game. So, look, Casey tied it with a field goal at the end of the game. They got the ball first in overtime. They got a touchdown. They won. Game over. So, you know, first of all, great win for Kansas City. I I mean, look, they're, they're probably going to win another Super Bowl. It's going to be... I'm very excited. I I think my prediction now is that we're going to get Rams against Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and uh, that sounds wild and fun. Obviously, though, the way that Casey won this game in overtime, getting the ball first, it was basically whoever got the ball first won the game. It led to a debate about the NFL overtime rules. I'm here for it. I thought it sucked that Josh Allen did not get the ball in overtime with a chance to respond Again, it was basically whoever got the ball first won the football game. Now, my stance on NFL overtime is slowly evolving because I've always said, hey, look, you had four quarters to try and win the game. If you couldn't get it done in an hour of football, four quarters, then you aren't necessarily entitled to getting the ball at the end of the game. Like You're not entitled to a possession at the end if you couldn't win in four quarters. You had your chance. And that's really easy to say when it's a regular season game and it's like Pittsburgh tying against Detroit, something like that, right? Whatever, whatever that is. It feels kind of cruel to say that at the end of the year in a playoff game that ends the season of one team, not the other. And look, Buffalo, to their credit, it's not like you can point to the one thing Buffalo did wrong and go, well, you know what? They did this or that. No, no. Buffalo did basically everything they could. They were four for four on fourth down. They had two touchdowns on fourth down. They went for touchdowns, not field goals. They did not settle for field goals. They realized, hey, it's very serious. We got to go for it on fourth down if we're going to beat this juggernaut Kansas City. And they had zero turnovers. Like, you can't point to the moment where you're like, hey, Buffalo screwed up here or there. They played great down the stretch. They took every opportunity they could. That's a tough pill to swallow. Like, I, I don't know what to say there. I mean, you could argue, and I, I, a lot of people do, that defense is part of the game. And, you know, the Bills had opportunities to stop KC. They could have stopped them on defense at the end of the fourth quarter or in overtime. You know, defense is a big part of the game. It's, you know, 33%. You know, special teams, you know, offense and defense. But it's an offensive-driven league. I mean, the, the rules are literally set up for offenses to succeed. And... At minimum, let's, I, we can all agree the rules are skewed towards offensive football. And for Josh Allen to not get a possession at the end of the game, I think at minimum it would have been really good television. Was it unfair? I didn't like it. I wasn't enjoying not seeing the other team get a chance to respond. Maybe we could just adjust the overtime rules maybe in the playoffs and Super Bowl. We don't need it in the regular season, fine, although I would love to get rid of ties. I I absolutely hate ties in the NFL, but I just don't like seeing a season end that way where it basically ends on a coin toss. There is a problem there, though, with, okay, so if, if Kansas City gets the ball first, they score a touchdown, then Buffalo gets the ball with an opportunity to respond 
in theory, that could go on forever. Like, at some point, you got to cut that off because it felt like watching these two teams could have scored all night. And you don't want a game that goes on for four hours, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Like, at what point do you call it and say, hey, like, this is the last opportunity? So, I don't know. There has to be a cutoff. I don't know the answer here. But, again, I, I, it would have been amazing TV to see Josh Allen get the ball at the end with an opportunity to respond. I would like to see the NFL make some kind of change to their overtime rules. I don't have the answers here. I don't know what that looks like, but that's why they're paid tons of money to figure that out. And again, while we're at it, can we please get rid of ties? Because I hate when games end in a tie. It just is like, it's so frustrating. Um, Now, we've addressed that. I don't know what the answer is, but I I really would have liked to see Josh Allen get the ball at the end. Um, I want to give a shout out to both offensive coordinators, Brian Dable uh, with the Bills, Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City. They are unreal. The play calling in this football game, they were, I mean, look, these are two good defensive coordinators in Kansas City and Buffalo. Leslie Frazier, um, what's the guy, I'm blanking on the guy's name. He coached for the Rams. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo in Kansas City. I, I knew his name. I did know it. I just couldn't remember for a second. These are good defensive coordinators that might become head coaches. And they, I mean, look, Brian Dable and Eric Bieniemy were dialing up great play call after great play call after great play calls. It was kind of headache-inducing to watch. It was like, this is just amazing offensive football. And I think both guys, Brian Table and Eric Bieniemy, are going to become probably head coaches during this offseason. I would be shocked if uh, Brian Dable didn't leave. And I want to give a special shout-out to the Kansas City offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, because the Chiefs offense does so many different things. There was a play where... It was fourth down, and they ran play action and then like a sprint right where Mahomes flipped the ball to Jarek McKinnon. I don't even know how to describe that play. It was crazy play design. Or think of how many times watching Kansas City this year you saw Blake Bell or Travis Kelsey take a snap under center or in the shotgun at quarterback. Or all these crazy screens and looks and the wild play designs. I mean, the underhand flips. Like They do so many different things and have so many multiple looks in Kansas City. And really what that's a testament to is great coaching. I got to give credit to Eric Bieniemy because it's one thing to have cool ideas. Like you can draw up a good idea on paper. A lot of people can go, "What if we did this?" and "What if we did that?" I think of uh, you know in in Dallas a little while ago where they tried to run a trick play where you threw a slant and the receivers crossing the field then threw a, a lateral back across the other side of the field. And it's one thing to call it; it's another thing to actually execute the play at a high level. Kansas City, to their credit, not only do they call a lot of crazy wild, impressive different looks, but they execute them at a really, really high level, and that is a testament to the discipline and the great coaching at you know in Kansas City, especially with Eric Bieniemy. That's executing at a really high level, and I, I really, really respect and admire what's gone on in Kansas City this year, especially with the way they call plays and the way they execute those kind of crazy plays they call. Now, I want to give a, a tip of my cap to Buffalo because... I I am so hoping that – this is wishful thinking. I would love to see Brian Dable stay at Buffalo. Their offensive coordinator um, – I, I just – here's what I'm begging. Do not leave a good gig you got going in Buffalo for a crappy head coaching job somewhere else. You got a good job, job security, and Buffalo is so close to a Super Bowl. Like, you can feel it. If they got the ball in overtime, they probably would have won that game and would probably be the Super Bowl favorite right now. I mean, they're they're a coin flip away from potentially going to a Super Bowl. And so all I ask is, Brian Diable, do not leave for, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what a crappy job is, but don't leave for a crappy job. I'm begging you. You got a good thing in Buffalo, and man, they are they are better with him calling plays. And I would be so heartbroken if Brian Dable left and Josh Allen took a step backward, and Buffalo was a little bit farther from a Super Bowl. I just don't want that to happen. Like, Josh Allen's amazing. It feels like no matter who's calling plays, he's going to do incredible stuff because his ability to ad-lib and extend plays and do wild stuff, it's, it's unprecedented. But um, I, I'm very – I just – you know, it was really, really fun to watch Buffalo this year and, and especially to watch the progression of Josh Allen. Now, um, despite the loss, I got to give a shout-out to – Bills receiver Gabriel Davis. Oh my goodness. This guy had probably, I don't know how he played in high school. I'm sure he was dominant in high school, but he had the game of his life. 
in the playoffs on the road in Kansas City. He had eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns. He had six touchdown catches all year during the regular season. Like, what? Good for him. And a lot of people were bagging on Stephon Diggs. Uh, Stephon Diggs had like three catches for seven yards. And like, oh, the Stephon Diggs revenge game didn't live up to the hype. You know, all this talk and all this buildup for him to do nothing. The reason why Stephon Diggs did nothing is because it was the Gabriel Davis show. He was open all night. He was making play after play. He got all four of Josh Allen's touchdown passes. It's only a shame that Gabriel Davis did this in a loss. I wish I could have said, and the hero was... Gabriel Davis. We couldn't do that, and that's sad. Um, It's also a shame that these two quarterbacks both play in the AFC because a Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl would be crazy. It'd be so much fun to watch. Can you imagine if that kind of game we just saw was in February in a Super Bowl? Like, And to me, like the same way that Brady and Manning never played against each other in a Super Bowl— because they were both usually meeting in the AFC title game, Colts and Patriots, and then eventually Denver and Patriots too. Um, This is the new Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Now it's Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes, and they will likely play each other on the road to a Super Bowl for years to come. And uh, the future's bright. It's a new era in the NFL, and uh, this is the future. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, the way they play, it's – It's different. It's no longer Peyton Manning in the pocket, unable to move. It's no longer Tom Brady without the ability to extend plays. No, these guys are different, and they're better. They're they're just unbelievable to watch, and uh, what a fun playoff game this was between Buffalo and Kansas City. Shout out to Kansas City. They're going to be awesome. I I think they're—I mean, they might win the Super Bowl. I would not be shocked at all if they pulled that off, and it wouldn't even be pulling it off. It would be—yep. I I mean, they—I remember earlier this year— writing off Kansas City because I said, look, the way they're playing now isn't going to work. The defense was struggling, and Patrick Mahomes was, man, he was he was a gunslinger. And I, I've said it multiple times throughout the year. We have seen an evolution of Patrick Mahomes where he's no longer just a guy. He, he still is making crazy plays. He had a throw on the run where he, like, dipped his shoulder through, like, a sidearm pass underneath the defender's arm for a first down. Like, he does crazy stuff still. He he runs for first downs. He, like, third and six was his game all night. Third and six, another Patrick Mahomes run for a first down. It was uncanny. But the difference for Patrick Mahomes this year is that, and he had to learn this because early on he wasn't doing this. We saw an evolution here. When teams went two high safeties and played soft coverage, they would double-team Travis Kelsey, they double-team Tyreek Hill, they would give him a check down underneath, and he started taking the check down and taking what the defense gave him underneath. And that's an evolution in his game, a little more patience, a little more maturity. And uh, the fact that Patrick Mahomes has figured that out now, <laughs> oh, man, uh, what, a, what an impressive thing he's done. And, and the fact that you can say honestly, hey, Patrick Mahomes got even better this year in 2021. That's a terrifying thought. And uh, – I would not be surprised at all. In fact, I, I kind of expect that. I expect Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. I am I, openly rooting for Rams against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I want Matthew Stafford, that high-powered offense, that really good defense with Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I want that team to play against Kansas City because I think that's the best, most fun matchup. And uh, just, look, I at this point, KC should be the favorite. I mean, they really should be. And... Uh, just impressive. I hope Tyron Matthew, I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he's healthy enough to play in the future, but uh, you know, well done by Kansas City. Now let's shift gears to Tampa. The Rams beat Tampa on Sunday. So Tom Brady and the Buccaneers have been eliminated from the playoffs. And uh, the Rams could play two games at home in a row and win a Super Bowl. Next week, they host the 49ers, and if they win that game, guess what? The Super Bowl is in SoFi Stadium in L.A. It's in their home stadium. It's going to be awesome. Now, this was kind of a weird game. The Rams beat Tampa 30-27, to but it really wasn't a good game until the end. I mean, the Rams led 20-3 to at halftime, eventually 27-3 to in the second half. And uh, Tampa did make a comeback. They actually had two touchdowns in the final four minutes. They tied it up 27-27 to 27 
with 42 seconds left in the game. And then Cooper Cup happened. Cooper Cup, the Rams got the ball uh, last. Their final drive, they got the ball. You know, Tampa ties it up 27-27. Rams get the ball, 42 seconds left. And Cooper Cup had two big plays, 64 yards. That set up the game-winning field goal from, like, the 10-yard line. The Rams won in the final play, and uh, that's all she wrote. I mean, it was really fun to watch. And I'm a big Tom Brady fan. Everybody knows that. I've never hidden that fact. I openly talk about how I love the guy. I'm, I model a lot of my achievement stuff, and I think you can learn, gain a lot of inspiration from Tom Brady. And even though I'm a big Tom Brady fan, I really wasn't too bummed or disappointed that he lost. I mean, look, you can't start the game as badly as Tampa did and expect to win. And I made my piece at halftime when they were down 20-3. to I'm like— it's over. Like, they're not going to win this game. I don't see them coming back. I was surprised they even made it interesting. And I was grateful because I really, I, I really, really hate when games are blowouts. I, I'm just glad it, it was even close at all at the end. But you will get no sympathy from me. I'm not even, I mean, the better team won. And I think, on, honestly, I think that the Rams are more interesting. Them, you know, Matthew Stafford, it's him Going to a new team, winning his first playoff game. Now he's won two. He could win a Super Bowl in his home stadium. I mean, that's a way better story than Tom Brady winning his eighth Super Bowl. I'm not really that sad that Tom Brady's gone. Um, And, you know, the the storylines here, the Rams against the 49ers for a third time this year. When the Rams, by the way, beat – sorry, the 49ers beat the Rams two times this year. They beat them 31-10, to and they beat them in overtime to end the year week 18 so the Rams could – you know, the, the 49ers, excuse me, to, could get into the playoffs. So the Rams haven't beat the 49ers all year. Now they get a chance to beat them at home to get into the Super Bowl. And it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. That doesn't happen very often. Now, on the day, Rams receiver Cooper Cup, I got to give him a shout out. I remember watching this guy at Eastern Washington. I watched him live in person, and he was even more impressive in college than he is in the NFL. Like, Cooper Cup was a guy that. I remember, you know, I used to, I worked for networks and would film their games. And I remember going like, dude, this guy is d- different. Like he's just head and shoulders above everybody else at that level in college football. And uh, it's kind of weird. This was actually the first ever Pro Bowl for Cooper Cup. And by the way, two former Eastern Washington alumni, Samson Ibukam and Cooper Cup playing against each other next week at the NFC Championship game. Eastern Washington, you know, they're going to pump that up. I played with Samson in high school. That's pretty cool. Good for him. Anyway, in this game, Cooper Cup had nine catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Again, it's his first year ever going to a Pro Bowl. I could not believe that. And uh, he made plays when it mattered most at the end. Here's the story, though. The story from this football game was Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. He was 28 for 38, passing 366 yards, two touchdowns. A big goose egg, zero interceptions, and he played so dang good. I am very, very happy for Matthew Stafford. I would imagine that everybody from Detroit that's a Lions fan is happy for him as well. He, you know, We got out of Detroit, and um, he's winning, man. He's doing very, very well. He's now one game away from a Super Bowl appearance, which, I mean, if you could have told Matthew Stafford that, I mean, that was the goal, right? When Matthew Stafford got traded to the Rams, that was why he came there. And here's the huge thing for Matthew Stafford. He does not have a single turnover so far in the playoffs. No fumbles, no interceptions, nothing. He's been playing good, clean football. And when it matters most, he's been playing his very best football of the year. He was on fire, especially to start this game. Are you kidding me? And uh, if the Rams win a Super Bowl, you got to give a lot of credit to their general manager, Les Snead. He traded for Matthew Stafford. He got Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ had another big game on Sunday. He traded for Von Miller. Von Miller had a big strip sack of Tom Brady in this game. And all these big moves, these big trades, these free agent signings, they're really paying off. And, uh, man, it's it's hard to root against what's going on in L.A. Like, it's just this is a team that has wanted a Super Bowl for so long. They went big on Todd Gurley. They gave Jared Goff a big contract. Those guys didn't pan out. They had to get rid of them to move on. And they still were like, no, we want to win a stinking Super Bowl. Here they are doing their best to make that happen. And, uh Man, uh, good for the Rams. Now, Tampa was hurt. Their right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, did not play in this football game. You know, receiver Chris, Chris Godwin's out. He tore his ACL. We know what ha- happened to 
Antonio Brown. I mean, it was pretty clear watching this game they could have used Antonio Brown. Now, there was an awesome touchdown, the the one that, you know, late in the game, one-on-one coverage, <laughs> Mike Evans with Jalen Ramsey, the best quarter in the NFL, arguably, and, and Mike Evans just beat him vertically, just off the line, one one-on-one matchup, Tom Brady. Remember when people said Tom Brady couldn't throw a deep ball? Go watch that 55-yard touchdown pass to Mike Evans and tell me that Tom Brady can't throw the ball deep. You're just on drugs or totally wrong. I don't know who, one of those two because what Tom Brady could do is awesome. Um, it's also kind of funny. So, you know, Tampa's really beat up. Even their head coach is beat up. Bruce Arians, go look at him. He looked kind of like a character from Mad Max. He's got the limp because he hurt his knee. He's got his arm in a sling, and he's got that radio set up on his chest. If you want to, go look up a picture of – Bruce Arians from this football game. I'm not kidding. He looked like, I mean, a very clean shaven, well-kept, but nonetheless a Mad Max character. The radio was what did it, man. The, the, yeah, this like the sling and then like this, I don't know how, it looked really if, wacky and cool. But if he told me he was like uh, the boss from the video game Rage, I would have been like, yeah, that, that, that adds up. Now, Tom Brady was vague about what's next for him. Um, I look, I don't know why Tom Brady didn't just come out and say, I'll see you next year. I'm coming back. I don't know why. Um, but I, I really can't imagine that Tom Brady's going to retire after this year. You know, he's 44 years old, but he literally led the NFL in every passing category. And maybe, you know, he wants to end on top. That's possible, I guess. But I would be surprised if Tom Brady's desire to do well and, and win more and keep playing was suddenly gone. I mean, I, and I think part of why he didn't say anything now is because he doesn't want to say something that he's locked into and put himself into a corner. But look, come February when he's watching the Super Bowl and watching someone else win, and in his head he'll probably tell himself someone else is winning my Super Bowl. That's what he's going to tell himself because that's what you have to tell yourself. And, I mean, there's no way. I remember when Brett Favre retired and they, they, you know, Chris Cluey flew down to Mississippi to go get him and bring him back. The Vikings punter went and got Brett Favre to bring him back to football. Now, Brett Favre didn't work out, but there's going to be a moment like that where if Tom Brady, I'm sure he's thinking about retiring, I have no doubt. Family and this and that, but you're telling me that come April, Tom Brady's not going to be sitting at home going like, bro, I need to, I need to win. I need to like play some more football. Like he, He's not going to, I just can't imagine a world where Tom Brady retires. Um, I don't know how he would get himself out of Tampa Bay. Like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to leave. I don't know what other team would give. Like, maybe he could go to the Colts. They're, you know, prepared to win. But I don't know that he could go to another team that would be more set up to win than Tampa anyway. So who knows? But I, uh, it is interesting that Tom Brady didn't come out and just say, like, yeah, I'm coming back. Clearly, there's something there. But, you know, he's also probably just waiting for another day to, like, figure his stuff out. And, again, why say something you're painting yourself into a corner on? But uh, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm a massive Tom Brady fan. And I just – I personally – Cannot imagine him retiring right now. Uh, I will say uh, I, I love that Tom Brady is in Tampa because the the TB abbreviation in my notes has a double meaning. I'll be like, you know, TB touchdown. TB gets a first down, and that means both Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. That's kind of fun. But um, we will see what is next for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay in the coming months. But I, I would be personally very, very shocked if Tom Brady did retire after this year. Okay, let's shift gears to Cincinnati and Tennessee. On Saturday, the Bengals beat the Titans 19-16. to And uh, it was actually the first road playoff win in the history of the Bengals franchise. And, uh, man, the story here is easily Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. He did something that should not be possible. He got sacked nine times and still threw for 348 yards and won the football game. It's unbelievable. The Tennessee Titans tied the record for most sacks in a playoff game. And Joe Burrow still made it work. He threw for 348 yards. That's unbelievable. I love Joe Burrow. I love what's going on there. Um, They're one game away from the Super Bowl. If you told me going into the year that Cincinnati would be in the AFC championship game. I would have gone, really? Really? Are you kidding me? Oh, and by the way, the game to get into the AFC championship game, Joe Burrow's going to get sacked nine times and still 
win the game. Are you kidding me? I'm so happy for the city of Cincinnati. I wish I could have got Skyline Chili watching on Saturday. I just like, oh, man, I can't wait. That's a city that's special in my heart. I can't wait to go back. Um, I I don't know, man. I, I really like. I, I I am telling you. I I know people think I'm crazy. Cincinnati is one of my favorite places in America. I like. I I can't explain it to you. It's the city, the people there. I people there love. Like there's a culture of football there that just isn't. Like I live in Hawaii. People don't care about football. You go to a bar in Cincinnati. Everybody's talking about the Bengals. And I went to Cincinnati when. You know, they had, who is it? Ryan Finley was their starting quarterback, right? Like, I can't imagine how it is now with the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Burrow. I am just, oh my gosh, I am so, so happy for Cincinnati. Now for Tennessee, oh man, this was a game you just could not afford to lose. You had home field advantage. You sacked the opposing quarterback nine times. And look, it has become... Very clear that the limitations of Ryan Tannehill are going to hold this team back. He had three interceptions. He also missed, uh, you know, receiver A.J. Brown wide open deep. It would have been a touchdown if he made an accurate throw. Let's be clear. Ryan Tannehill is not an awful quarterback. But he does leave a lot to be desired. And next year, they're also paying him over $38 million. Next year, the cap hit. For Ryan Tannehill is $38.6 million. Oh, I mean, look, I am convinced you can win a Super Bowl with a guy like Ryan Tannehill. I mean, we saw Trent Dilfer once win a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles. Like, if the right guy gets hot, you can make it happen. But the key to winning, and I don't even know that comparing him to Joe Flacco is the right way. Let's compare more to like a Trent Dilfer. It's, it's a little worse, but, you know, he's a guy with limitations. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL. Everybody agrees with that. But limited quarterbacks have won Super Bowls. However, I cannot imagine winning a Super Bowl when you're paying Ryan Tannehill a ton of money, right? The key to a guy like that, he's only a good idea if he's cheap and you can build an amazing team around him. The problem is that when you're paying a guy at his level of quarterback that much money, you're not able to build the team around him. You're going to need to win with a guy with his talent and his skill set. Ryan Tannehill will always be overshadowed by guys like Joe Burrow, who we lost to, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, these guys who are immensely talented elite quarterbacks. And he's just like, he's meh. Like, I, I would take Kirk Cousins in a heartbeat over Ryan Tannehill. Derek Carr over Ryan Tannehill. I mean, like, and I look, I, <laughs> Titans fans, you guys were talking so big. Go read my comments on my video. I like my thoughts before divisional, you know, round or whatever. Um, Titans fans are like, hey, where's our respect? Don't count us out. Okay. Okay, guys. Well, how about sacking Joe Burrow nine times and losing? Another uh, was a huge play in this football game. The Titans had the ball in the fourth quarter, fourth and one. And uh, what do you do on fourth and one if you're Tennessee? It, it's pretty obvious. Like, you've got the best running back in the NFL. Him or Jonathan Taylor, I, I would probably lean Jonathan Taylor, but, like, I'm not going to – I'm certainly not going to get into that debate. They're both amazing, and I don't know why you need to even compare the two. You give the ball to Derrick Henry in that moment, though, for sure. Now, Derrick Henry got stopped for a loss of two yards on fourth and one in the fourth quarter. That's not good. And uh, – Again, this game was hyped up as the return of King Henry, the legendary running back, the star running back in Tennessee. And, uh, well, Derrick Henry ran 20 times for 62 yards, and, like, yeah, it's fine. But it wasn't this amazing performance that they probably needed, given if, you're, if your quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is going to go throw three interceptions, Derrick Henry had better have a great day. And uh, he didn't. His longest run was nine yards. Uh, to me, what I hear when I, when, when I hear that, hey, 20 carries for 62 yards, that tells me that that's really good work by the Bengals' defense. On top of that, let's not forget that Cincinnati had a lead throughout the game. Like, I, I don't know. I don't really care. If I'm the Tennessee Titans and I am, I'm losing, I don't really care. If I'm down 14 or 21, I am going to run the football. That's my offense. I don't understand why 20 carries doesn't feel like enough. For Derrick Henry, quite frankly. Uh, and if I was calling plays in Tennessee and I knew my football team, like, you know, it's pretty clear they do, I'd be like, look, 
Our identity is running the football. I don't care what the situation is. We run the football. That's what we do. And I don't get why when teams get down, they feel this need to start throwing the ball more. And I like, I, like I'm not throwing the ball a ton with Ryan Daniel. I'm just not. I'm committing to running the football. And I felt like to some degree they could have run the ball even more. Like they have other people. It wasn't only Derrick Henry, but um, I, I don't know. I just really it was really good work that fourth and two or that fourth and one. A loss of two yards. That's great, great defense by Cincinnati. And uh, I shout out to them. Also, shout out to the Bengals rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. He was four for four kicking field goals. He was the first kicker drafted. He's a rookie. Uh, his longest kick in this game was 54 yards. Uh, he also had the game winner from 52 yards. And Joe Burrow said, uh, you know, after the game in Joe Burrow's press conference, Joe Burrow was talking about Evan McPherson. And apparently, Evan McPherson, before making that kick, said, you know, he's kind of casually you know, swinging his leg, and he goes, Well, boys, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. And then, bam, hits the kick, game over, they win. How awesome is that? Like, that's your kicker, Cincinnati. He's confident. He knows he's good. He knows he can do it. And, uh, man, he's kicking long 52, 54-yard field goals in a, a game on the road in Tennessee in January. That's <laughs> so awesome. Uh, now, there is a negative in this win for Cincinnati, though. Despite the fact that they won, a spotlight was shown on the fact that they still need to build their offensive line. And it wasn't blitzes they got pressure on Joe Burrow. A lot of people are like, well, they need to throw more short passes underneath. You know, it wasn't like, look, they did blitz occasionally, but actually the reality is that when Tennessee blitzed, Joe Burrow was dominating them. What was getting pressure on Joe Burrow was actually a four-man rush where they did a stunt with a defensive line, meaning basically defensive linemen would, like, cross each other. they like, you know, I'll go left, you go right, we'll cross each other. And when a defensive line runs a stunt and stuff like that, it forces the offensive lineman trying to block them to switch assignments and go, okay, you ever play basketball? Hey, they, they try to do a screen, we switch. And the reality is that what we saw from Cincinnati's offensive line, them trying to block a four-man rush from Tennessee, their communication is horrible. It's not good. Yeah, like technique is not good. There's all kinds of stuff that needs to be worked on. Their uh, Isaiah, whatever, the, the right tackle is just getting worked all day. But beyond that, it was really, really bad communication. And that is what led to Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times and having constant pressure in his face. I was worried for Joe Burrow. I'm like, dude, is he going to get out of this game? intact is he gonna get hurt in this football game he didn't but it was not good so regardless of winning this game I think everybody in Cincinnati can acknowledge that the offensive line is still a problem that needs to get solved and worked on this offseason and uh, I I fear that's going to be a limiting factor this year and they're probably going to lose to Kansas City because of it Um, I, I will say though hey here's one thing about this game coming up against Kansas City Kansas City loves, loves to blitz. And Joe Burrow loves to beat the blitz throwing the football. He is amazing against a blitzing defense. And by the way, Tyron Matthew didn't play on Sunday against Buffalo. And hey, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase against a defense without their best safety that loves to blitz. When Joe Burrow says, oh, you can blitz me all day. I'll just take what you give me underneath. He's Joe Burrow is... I think one of the best quarterbacks I have ever seen at identifying coverage is pre-snap. If you're going to blitz him, he's going to go, all right, I see the blitz coming, and I'm going to get hit. I realize that. But I'm going to hang in the pocket. I'm going to take that hit, and I'm going to make a five-yard pass and throw for a first down. I've got no problem. He, he's a very, very intelligent, heavy, heady quarterback, and he knows exactly what he's doing in the football every single play. So do not count out Cincinnati entirely in this game. I mean, like, it's actually a, a weirdly favorable matchup for Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense. In fact, if anything, the, the concern should be the Bengals' defense because Patrick Mahomes is just – I don't know how you stop the guy. I will say shout-out to Titans receiver A.J. Brown. I want to make sure he gets his due. The dude had he, – he played his tail off. He had five catches, 142 yards. He had this crazy one-handed catch in the end zone that you're just like, did he catch? That was one-handed. Are you kidding me? It was unbelievable. And uh, I thought he could have had a second one that – Ryan Tannehill missed him deep. He was wide open. Tannehill missed the throw. But it was a bad loss by Tennessee. Like, again, their fan base was talking, don't overlook us. Well, look, Tennessee had the ball. Two minutes left. Tie game. 
And uh, Ryan Tannehill threw an interception. And they sacked Joe Burrow nine times, and they lost. Fourth and one, fourth quarter. Derrick Henry stuffed for negative two yards. I don't know, man. Also, the final thing I have to say about this football game, Joe Burrow got picked off, and in my opinion, that should not have been ruled an interception. Go watch the replay. They said it was too close to call. It's inconclusive. You know, the play ruling on the field stands, but go watch the replay of Joe Burrow's interception. The ball is dragging on the ground. I don't know how that's... uh, I thought you couldn't use the ground to catch the ball, but apparently nobody wanted to overturn that, so... I don't know. I thought that Joe Burrow got an interception he shouldn't have. Although, in fairness, Tennessee should have had 10 sacks. Tennessee had a sack on Joe Burrow that they ended up calling delay a game. I'm like, all right. And, and hey, shout out to Titans fans. Titans fans were very, very loud in this football game. Um, I, you know, I guess I have one more thing to say. It's that I love that the NFL is a sport where you can go from the very worst in the league. Remember, two years ago, the Bengals had the number one overall pick. They were horrible. Two years later, end of, end, of, end of the second year removed from that. So not even a year and then another year, and here we are. The Bengals are a game away from a championship game, the Super Bowl. They're one game away from the Super Bowl. How many other sports are like that, where you can go from the worst to one of the best in two years? Certainly not in the other sports I follow. I love Formula One. You're not going to see Williams F1 in two years (laughs) a a race away from winning a championship, right? You're not going to see college football, who's horrible. You're not going to see Vanderbilt football, horrible in the SEC, win a national championship two years from now. It it takes way too long to build a, a winning program in most other sports. The fact that the NFL is so malleable and teams have so much hope that you draft a guy like Joe Burrow, you draft Jamar Chase, bam, two years later, you make a couple moves in free agency, you're a game away from the Super Bowl. I love that about the NFL. It's the best thing about the NFL, in my opinion. And uh, to see the Bengals in the AFC title game, (laughs) that's awesome. And can you imagine? I don't think it's going to happen. And maybe it's me protecting my heart because I so badly want it to happen. Can you imagine if Joe Burrow and the Bengals won the Super Bowl this year? Two years ago, Joe Burrow won a national championship and dominated Clemson, smoking a cigar after the game. I guess you smoke them with your, you know, not, uh, this is something else. Um, <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you got a very good uh, insight into my life. Um, I don't even do that. I, I do the vitamins. Um, no, can you imagine that moment if Joe Burrow won a Super Bowl this year? with the Bengals in his second year with the team. Carson Palmer couldn't do it. Andy Dalton couldn't do it. They couldn't even win a playoff game. Here we are with Joe freaking Burrow, the man who's got ice in his veins. And, oh, it's so cool to see. I love it. I love Joe Burrow. I am convinced the guy can walk on water. And I am so, so happy for the city of Cincinnati. All right, guys. um, I need to take a short break. This next topic, we're going to talk about the Packers, and then we'll talk about Kind of some previews for the weekend coming up. Um, You know, championship. What do you call it? Championship weekend? Because championship weekend feels like Super Bowl weekend. But it's the AFC and NFC championship weekend. So I don't know what you call it. But we'll talk about the stuff coming up in a moment. But coming up, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That is the thing I've been saving for the end of the show. Uh, It's a great topic. I want to get it right. Let me take a short break. I will be right back. All right. We are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. On Saturday night, the 49ers beat the Packers 13-10. It was a cold game in Green Bay, and the Packers lost. Uh, first of all, congrats to the 49ers. I, they're one game away from the Super Bowl, and, man, it's just awesome. It's a huge win for them. I love seeing the 49ers do well. I don't know if people realize this. Early on in my YouTube career, and I, you know, my YouTuber, I'm a podcaster or whatever, uh, when I was first starting this show, one of my early videos was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I got a lot of views. And for like a long time, most of my audience was all 49ers fans, and I will always owe you guys my, you know, a lot. And, and thank you for watching and listening. Um, the pass rush for the 49ers was outstanding. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Samson Ibukam, they all had sacks. Uh, I played with Samson in high school. It's really cool to see him do well. He actually played for the Rams in the Super Bowl, and they went. And uh, you know, he's playing his old team next week. 
which is uh, pretty cool. He went to Eastern Washington with Cooper Cup. I got to watch him play live. Good for them. That's awesome. They'll reunite and play against each other next week. Now, the 49ers quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, I can't believe he won this game. I I am not trying to throw shade at Jimmy Garoppolo. He made a couple of good throws early on. George Kittle had a drop. I mean, it's not awful. He wasn't horrible, I I, I guess. Um. I mean, look, when the game was tied 10-10, to let's give some credit to Jimmy Garoppolo. Who had the game-winning drive at the end of the game? Was it Aaron Rodgers? Oh, wait! It wasn't. It was actually Jimmy Garoppolo. Believe it or not, Jimmy Garoppolo made the plays down the stretch that were better than what Aaron Rodgers could do. Uh, But also, also, the, the negative here is that Jimmy Garoppolo had a lot of, and I mean a lot of interception-worthy throws where... I mean, these are throws late to the flat that probably should have been pick sixes where like you you just cannot get away with throwing the ball to the flat late. You do that against the Rams next week, Jalen Ramsey, he's got to pick that off and be gone. See you later. Sayonara, that's a touchdown. And uh, a guy sent me a message on Instagram. He said, Jimmy G is the epitome of guessing on your math quiz but still passing. Uh, shout out to Adam. He's totally right. Um, I... I was shocked that Jimmy G won this football game. He beat Aaron Rodgers on the road in Green Bay. And I'm saying that Jimmy G won the game is a bit dramatic. He did not win the game, but he certainly, I mean, his team won. But um, I, I, it's, it's amazing. Like the 49ers so desperately need a better quarterback. They need Trey Lance to develop and become their guy because, my goodness, Jimmy G is not the answer. And uh, he's so limited. I, I'm not trying to say anything negative against the guy, but. Um, he, he's going to be the limiting factor, whether it's next week against the Rams. I could actually see a reality where the 49ers beat the Rams. They've beat them twice this year. The Rams have lost to the 49ers two times this year. And by the way, Matthew Stafford has not thrown an interception yet this year. I could see that coming to an end against the 49ers where you never know. I mean, do not count the 49ers out. They certainly have a shot to win. But whether it's in the Super Bowl or next week, at some point, the Jimmy Garoppolo deficiency, his limitations are going to come back to bite the 49ers. Now, can you imagine if they won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo? And you're like, we got to get rid of Jimmy G, but he won us a Super Bowl. I mean, it would be crazy, but uh, remember, even Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. So Jimmy Garoppolo, not a great quarterback. Let's talk about the other quarterback, though. Here's the big thing. There are two reasons why the Green Bay Packers lost this football game. Aaron Rodgers is one. Special teams is the other. Uh, the Packers' special teams were bad. They had a field goal blocked. That was heartbreaking. And then with four minutes left to go, Green Bay got a punt blocked, and the 49ers grabbed it for a touchdown. That's awful. That tied the game 10-10. to And by the way, on the 49ers' final kick, Robbie Gold has never missed a kick in the playoffs. Shout out to Robbie Gold. Uh, when Robbie Gold hit the game-winning field goal as time expired to win the game 13-10 to to beat the Packers, sent him home. Green Bay only had 10 guys on the field to block the field goal. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how bad the Packers special teams were on Sunday. They've been horrible all year and they were really bad on Sunday. Now that being said, so I've said it, Hey, special teams were not good. In spite of that though, the Packers still had the best quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, And in the biggest game of the year, Aaron Rodgers was mediocre. He was 20 for 29 passing. Not horrible. 225 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I I would kill to have an NFL game like that. Can you imagine? I mean, that's a good game. But it's not a great game. It's just like, yeah, it's mediocre. It's fine. It's average. And the Packers only scored 10 points in the biggest game of the year. And look, they had a field goal blocked. It's horrible. That sucks. But I don't want to hear excuses. If you want to be a badass quarterback, you got to be the badass quarterback. You can't. I, I'm so tired of this. You know, every time Aaron does something amazing and heroic, he gets praised. But anytime anything bad happens, it's someone else's fault. And people, by the way, had the audacity to say that the 49ers pass rush was too good. Aaron Rodgers got sacked five times. Samson Ibukam, Eric Armstead, Joey Bosa, they were getting after the quarterback. That's on the same day where Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and still threw for 348 yards and won a football game, won a playoff game on the road. Aaron's at home getting sacked five times. I have no sympathy. You're going to tell me the pass rush was a problem? It wasn't for Joe Burrow. 
He made it work. How come Joe Burrow could make it work in year two and Aaron Rodgers, NFL MVP, maybe his fourth this year? You tell me the pass rush was, get out of here. Yeah, it was hard. Aaron was sacked five times, and uh, they had a punt blocked late. You know, it was tied 10 to 10, end of the game. But by the way, when it's tied 10 to 10 at the end of the game in the playoffs, that's when your Hall of Fame quarterback needs to step up and make a play. And did anybody see Aaron Rodgers' face after that punt was blocked and gave the 49ers a touchdown? He looked disgusted. He looked defeated. There's a little floaty. I'm going to grab it. Got it. If you're watching, if you're, if you're listening, I just grabbed a, like a floating piece of dust in the air in front of the camera. Uh, in that moment, when something bad happens in a football game, have you, I, I have watched Tom Brady many, many times. When bad stuff happens, Tom Brady has this look of determination. When Joe Burrow has something bad happen, Joe Burrow goes, all right, let's go. And you can see the look in their face. They're not dejected. They're not disappointed. They're ready to get to work and keep battling. This weekend, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and still won a playoff game. Tom Brady was down 27-3. Tom Brady did not win the game, but he was down 27-3, and he tied the game 27-27. I have never met Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going on in Aaron Rodgers' head, and I, I don't want to speculate as to what goes on in the guy's head. But I can tell you what I see from Aaron Rodgers' fan base, the people that speak for him on social media, in my comments, on, you know, everywhere else. Obstacles are part of life. Stuff happens. You call off an engagement. You lose your job. You have even small stuff. You know, you forget to pay your bill. Your electricity gets turned off. You, your favorite thing, you lose your favorite shirt. Whatever, right? Stuff happens. It, my cat puked on the floor literally today. And it was awful. I had to clean it up. It put me behind. It was frustrating. I don't, I don't want to spend my day scrubbing the floor. And that's awful, right? But... That's part of life. Obstacles happen. And the narrative around Aaron Rodgers, I will not say that this is Aaron Rodgers' mindset because I don't know that. But I know the way people talk about Aaron Rodgers is that the obstacles that happen in Aaron Rodgers' career have become reasons to lose rather than things to overcome. Again, I don't know whether that's Aaron Rodgers' attitude or not, but it seems to be it is the attitude of his fan base. It's all about finger pointing. It's, oh, the receiver failed. He dropped a pass. He missed a field goal. He was bad. He was bad. No one wants to hold Aaron Rodgers and keep him accountable. It's always the offensive line or the special teams or the receivers. What there needs to be is accountability for Aaron Rodgers, your Hall of Fame quarterback, who is often called the most talented ever to play the game. Hey, the guy who's paid more than Everybody else on the field in that stadium, Aaron Rodgers is the most highly paid person in that field at Lambeau Field. No one in the building is paid more than him. Maybe Alex Rodriguez, right? Alex Rodriguez is in the crowd. Fair enough. But you're talking about the NFL MVP. Best quarterback in the league by many people's minds. And the same people that would tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL would go around and say, well, the special teams were bad. The pressure on Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 no. Hey, the best quarterback in the NFL needs to make a play at the end of the game tied 10 to 10. What happened on the Packers' final two possessions? They had the ball twice at the end of the game. They had two three and outs. And, and yeah, look, I'm not going to pretend that the blocked field goal was heartbreaking. That moment, you put together a great drive, blocked. Are you, are you kidding me, man? I did all that work to get a field goal blocked, and that would have been the difference in the game. It would have. But in, in big moments, you get a blocked punt, you get a blocked field goal. In big moments, your best player needs to make plays. He needs to step up. He needs to deliver. Aaron Rodgers is in danger of becoming one of those all-time great regular season quarterbacks. A guy who wins a lot of MVPs and puts up great numbers and great stats. And his completion percentage is awesome. But he doesn't deliver enough at the end of the year in the playoffs when it matters most. What if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver and doesn't win a Super Bowl? I mean, it's a good thing he's already won a Super Bowl because can you imagine if he – can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers did not have one Super Bowl under his belt? The things that I'm saying wouldn't sound crazy. 
I wouldn't sound radical. The things that I'm saying would be said everywhere. People would go, oh. And here's my theory on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl early on in his career. After that Super Bowl win is when the MVPs came. After that happened early in his career, he won three NFL MVPs, so maybe his fourth this year. And look, I'm not that successful. Let's be clear, right? I'm a very small YouTuber. I'm a small podcast host, but I have a following. And it's easy to let that kind of success, the attention, the whatever, the the money, to let that stuff affect who you are. I, I felt it myself and I've had to fight against it. I never want to change who I am. But let's be clear, success and money can change you. And as Aaron has gotten older, he has appeared to get more self-centered and more cold and harder to work with. And you can't blame the guy. He's the NFL MVP. He knows he's hot shit. It's part of my French. He knows what he is, but there's a way to be peaceful about it or to be hostile about it. Tom Brady's peaceful. He knows he's great, but he knows that what comes along with that is the responsibility to lift up the people around you. My opinion on Aaron Rodgers, again, is that he's become harder to work with, more cold, more self-centered as his career has gone on and as he succeeded even more on the field. I think the success has changed who he is, and I don't think the person he is can win a Super Bowl anymore. He did win a Super Bowl a long time ago, but that's a different Aaron Rodgers than the one we're talking about now. I do not believe Aaron Rodgers will win a second Super Bowl in his career. That's something you can, years from now, when Aaron Rodgers maybe wins a Super Bowl in two years, clip that out, remind you. But also, don't forget that quote when he doesn't win a Super Bowl two years from now. It's it's a double-edged sword. Like People love to... Crap on me for the stuff I say that I get wrong, but love to forget when I say stuff that's right. Don't forget I said that. Aaron Rodgers will not win another Super Bowl in his career. I think the person he is today is different than he was early in his career. I think he lacks the humility it requires, the willingness to take accountability when you lose. He's always finger-pointing rather than saying, what could I have done better? And after this game, Aaron gave a quote. He said, so many guys' contracts are up or on the brink. Lots of decisions to be made. I don't want to be part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. Thinking about retiring, doesn't want to rebuild. He says the Packers are rebuilding and says, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Aaron Rodgers is gone. He's leaving. He will leave Green Bay, and I hope he does. Not because I feel like I'm sounding hostile towards Aaron Rodgers. Here's what I want. I want to defend the good name of the Green Bay Packers organization. Because what I want to do is I want to see Aaron Rodgers on another team because I am so tired of everything being everyone else's fault other than Aaron Rodgers because if he can't win in Denver or maybe he goes to Indianapolis maybe he's in the Colts wherever he goes if he can't win on another team then people will finally realize oh maybe it wasn't the special teams or the coach or the offensive line or the receivers maybe maybe the reason why Aaron Rodgers can't seem to have playoff success and win another Super Bowl is because of Aaron Rodgers and I, I look, I, I, what's going to happen when Aaron Rodgers goes to another team, the pressure is going to be on. All right, mf let's go. Let's see what you're made of. Because there's been a lot of talk about how the Packers have been holding back Aaron Rodgers. Well, go to Denver. It's a different situation. And, and I want that to happen because I, I want this to end. I want this weird narrative. Is it Aaron? Is it the Packers? The finger pointing? I want it all to go away. I want to be clear whose fault it is if they win or lose. Remember, the Packers had the ball. Tie game 10 to 10. And I'm a scientist. It's not about a vendetta against Aaron Rodgers. It's about finding out whose fault is it really. We're going to find out. And I, I can't wait for that day. Win or lose. I, I don't. I'm actually. If Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl, it'd be awesome. Be like, okay. Fair enough. It was the receiving core. It was the special teams. But if Aaron Rodgers can't win a Super Bowl in an, on another team, then we're going to know. Oh, the scientific method has been. been it's happened. And Aaron's to blame. Again, Packers have the ball 10 to 10, tie game. And I, I'm sorry that the 49ers got a touchdown to tie the game, Aaron. I'm sorry. You had a, a lead 10 to 3. The lead got taken away. You had to go do more work. But uh, look, go make a play. That's a great opportunity. Tom Brady would have loved to have the ball 10 to 10 with an opportunity to score. Tom Brady on Sunday tied the game 27 to 27 and never got the ball back. The Rams got the ball 42 seconds left. Won the game, game over. Tom Brady never got a possession with the game tied after he made a comeback. 
I have no sympathy for Aaron Rodgers, man. I just don't. I want to see him in Denver. I want to see the pressure on. Let's go, baby. Time to deliver. Let's figure this out. And when they lose, who will be blamed then? When Aaron Rodgers does not win another Super Bowl the rest of his career, are people finally going to go, oh, oh, yeah, that's Aaron's fault. I just, look, you scored 10 points out of a mediocre game against the 49ers at home. That's on you. That's your Hall of Fame quarterback not making enough plays. And you can blame the special teams if you want, but I feel like every single time Aaron loses a big game, people find something else to blame. It's never Aaron's fault. And the only consistent thing over the years and and the lack of a Super Bowl victory in recent years in Green Bay, the only consistent thing is actually Aaron Rodgers because players have come and gone. Aaron Rodgers has always been there. Hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2011. And he's a different person now. I don't think the person Aaron Rodgers is today can win a second Super Bowl. Hey, by the way, shout out to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had nine catches for 129 yards. Devontae Adams had nine catches for 90. They deserve a shout out. They played very, very well. Uh, But again, best quarterback in the NFL. You can't score more than 10 points. If you only score 10 points in the final game of the year, you deserve criticism. So I got no sympathy for Aaron Rodgers. All of him quarterback. Some say the most talented quarterback ever to play the game. Hey, talent is, is not the only thing it takes to play quarterback. And, and I, 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 have, I have praised Aaron. I made a whole video. Talk. I think I made a video. I think it's called like Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Like, don't get it twisted. I, I have been very, very praising when Aaron does amazing stuff. But when he fails, you got to hold his feet to the fire. That's part of the job. And Aaron Rodgers was not good enough on Sunday. So, in the AFC title game, we will get the Bengals at Kansas City. And in the NFC, it will be the 49ers at the Rams. I would imagine that the heavy favorites in these championship games will be Kansas City and L.A. I think if you—I'm not a betting man, but I would imagine Vegas has the money line. Vegas, you know, has Kansas City as a favorite and L.A. as the favorite. They should be the two teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, but both the Bengals and the 49ers have a shot. Let's not write off these two teams. So I, there's a there's a front runner and an underdog. But both games are rematches. And, and by the way, the Bengals beat Kansas City Week 17. The 49ers not only beat LA Week 18 to get into the playoffs, but the 49ers beat LA two times this year. I think we're probably going to get KC against LA in the Super Bowl. But let's not write off these other teams. Do you know how hard it is to write off the 49ers? They know Matthew Stafford very, very well. And Matthew Stafford has not thrown an interception yet in the playoffs. Doesn't have a turnover at all. I think that, win or lose, Matthew Stafford's going to have a turnover against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. That's going to come to an end. They know him too well. The 49ers have beat the Rams twice this year. It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. But let's not pretend like the 49ers have no shot to beat the Rams. That's just not true. The 49ers 1,000% have a chance. And look, KC probably wins. They probably beat Cincinnati. I I worry that both games, you know, honestly, my worry is that it'll be a blowout that Kansas City wins and a blowout that LA wins. Like, who has more firepower? Who has a more complete team? Who's got a better quarterback? Like, Jimmy Garoppolo or Matthew Stafford? Come on, right? I I love Cincinnati, but the Bengals' offensive line makes me worried. So, you know, the heavy favorite should be Kansas City, should be L.A. I worry about that Bengals offensive line, but Joe Burrow is the man. Ice in his veins. And Kansas City's defense loves to blitz opposing quarterbacks. And guess who loves when you blitz him? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow goes, oh, clarity. All right, if you're blitzing, you bring, you bring pressure. Guess what that means? Hey, Jamar Chase has one-on-one coverage. And I, know I, got, I got to identify the coverage. I got the ball out of my hands very quickly. But Joe Burrow is fantastic, fantastic against teams that blitz him. He'll shred you. He destroyed Tennessee when they blitzed him. You know, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times on Sunday. It wasn't the blitz that got after Joe Burrow. It was actually his offensive line struggling to communicate and handle stunts from the defensive line. And the defensive line, basically, a stunt is where you switch, you know, and you, we cross each other. And the offensive line has to pass off and go, okay, he's going left. I'll go find him. You go get the other guy. It's like switching on defense in basketball. 
But while the offensive line is a concern, the blitz is not. Joe Burrow handles the blitz very, very well. So the underdogs, the 49ers and Cincinnati, absolutely have a shot. You blitz Joe Burrow, he'll make you pay. Oh, and by the way, Tyron Matthew didn't play on Sunday and may not play against Cincinnati. Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins against a potentially banged-up Kansas City secondary. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be – I mean, I, if one team wins in a blowout, it will be Kansas City, but do not write off the Bengals. And can you imagine, by the way, imagine if Joe Burrow won a Super Bowl two years after winning a national championship. Be a great moment for a cigar. I, I love what's going on. I think it's going to be an awesome weekend. Look, it will not be as good as the games on I mean, this weekend. How do you beat this weekend? The division round of the NFL playoffs was unbelievable. Every single game ended on the final play. I don't know that we're going to get that this upcoming weekend. But I do think that you know anybody who's like, hey, the 49ers have no shot. Cincinnati has no shot. Cincinnati already beat Kansas City once this year. The 49ers already beat the Rams twice this year. I'm not, in fact, if anything, it's actually a disadvantage. I'd rather be the team that lost that first game because, or, you know, both early games because you, you have hungry, you have a chip on your shoulder. It's easy to have motivation. There's an emotional edge to that. It's, oh, these, these MFers got us. We need to get payback, right? There is something to that. But let's not pretend like it's going to be a blowout and the, the underdogs have no shot in these games because they do. LA should be the favorite. Kansas City should be the favorite. That's the Super Bowl I want, by the way. I want Kansas City against L.A. I think that's going to be an amazing wild game. Patrick Mahomes against Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. That sounds like a ton of fun. But, hey, Joe Burrow, winning the Super Bowl? That sounds chaotic and amazing. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is probably going to get replaced in San Francisco. Can you imagine winning a Super Bowl and then losing your job the next year? <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's going to be very easy for people to write off the 49ers and the Bengals. Do not do it. They don't deserve that. They're better than that. And they actually have a legitimate shot to win these games coming up next Sunday. And uh, I am very, very excited for what's to come. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed the divisional round of the NFL playoffs as much as I did. Go follow me. Uh, first of all, listen to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you find, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast. And go support me, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. My name is Zach Schaumler. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.